All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial. It's that show that celebrates the themes of Saturday Morning TV that not only did we grow up with, they've been growing up right alongside with us. It's, uh, well, it's me. It's me, your host, Dan Grimshay, as always, and you're welcome. Also, my apologies, but uh, joining us, as always, would be Marky. Marky, speak up. Thanks for stepping all over me. I'm here. Hey, that's what you're there for. Uh, Jimmy the Gent is also here as I look across the table in physical reality, real time, in a studio before the Delta kills us. Jimmy, let me hear what you sound like. This is the sound of my voice. Mm, yep, yep. That that scans. That's him. Oh, and wouldn't you just know it, I turn one more clock step over here at three o'clock. Johnny Hack. Hey, yo, this is what happens when you don't lock the studio doors. I managed to claw my way back inside, so. <laughs> That's right. Fair enough. Just, uh, you know, a patient warrior. Not unlike Meatloaf in Fight Club. <laughs> and and the same size boobs. Yeah, absolutely. No. I see you staring at him from across the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> no touchy. <laughs> Ooh, someone's getting censored for that. But uh, all right, listen, what is what is today's episode all about? Well, it's the season nine premiere. Some people said we wouldn't last that long. Ha! And I was proven wrong. It's been nine. Well, this is the ninth season. We've done. We've completed eight. We started in twenty thirteen. I think season premiere. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Coming back, I think our first one was uh, Space Command. With uh, Mark Zakree. Oh, wow. Um, in the Wayback Machine. Yeah, one of the um, lone gunmen. Um, the blonde one, what's his name? Uh, anybody? Uh, anybody? Dean Hagland. Trent McClure. Hagland. He was on that episode. But anyway, yes, we've come a long way. And uh, we're, we're, we're rising to the top with this week's yep, guest. Yep, that's right. This week's guest we're talking to, well, no, actually, he's right about the same level of uh, stardom. Only because it's a That One Guy episode. That's right. right. Maestro, play the theme. Oh, who's that? Oh, that's, uh, oh, oh, he's, uh, 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 he's from, um, with, with, uh, oh, he's that one guy. (laughs) That's that one guy. Uh, (laughs) All right. It's Billy West. Billy West. Now, I have a certain hope deep down inside that a lot of our listeners know exactly who I'm talking about anyway. But it's understandable if you don't, listener, 
I don't know if even his biggest fans could describe him physically to you. You don't ever see his face, really. Even from his very beginnings on the Howard Stern show, you're not going to be able to see him. Uh, exactly right. right. Yeah. But, the, I mean, I think we should just say real, real quick, the guy is the new voice of Bugs Bunny. He's Th- That's a sure. huge, I mean, he's <laughs> Bugs Bunny. He was the voice of Bugs Bunny in the original Space Jam. In, in, not in, currently. In, right, current. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, As a matter of fact, we uh, were talking to him about uh, a new property that just came out in theaters and simultaneously on HBO Max. It's been the talk of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it uh, takes an older movie, readdresses it, makes some changes to make it better. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about suicide. No, uh, Space Jam. Space, Space Jam. Jam 2, that's right. <laughs> you were about to say Suicide Squad. That's true. I got a little distracted <laughs> there just thinking about the, uh, the parallels. Same overall plot. Yeah, it's very, very similar. <laughs> yeah. But yes, he is he's the voice of Bugs Bunny in the Space Jam universe. Uh and also he's the voice of everything. I mean, if you were trying to find a king of the voice actors, you found him. I don't know, can someone I'm not asking for a full on reading, but can someone just get me a rough estimate of the number of IMDb IMDB credits this man has. I was I was looking for that actually, but the this new updated IMDB, it's a mess. I don't know where that number is, but just what he's known for, oh, just Marky, like the top worst just, intern we've ever had. I'm sorry, I need to be replaced by a college kid. Um, but yes, I just to just to give you an idea of what he's known for, uh, Futurama, where he's like every voice on that. He's obviously in Space Jam. Uh, we're gonna get. We're gonna talk a lot about this next one, Ren and Stimpy, and of course uh, Looney Tunes back in action because you know the guy played Elmer Fudd. I mean, come on, that's all, folks. No, that's not him. That's Porky. <laughs> but anyway, same thing. Yeah. Tunes. Were you more impressed by Bugs Bunny or Elmer Fudd then? Uh, I liked Elmer it, Fudd. It, it suddenly sounds like you're more of an Elmer Fudd guy. Uh, I did like Elmer Fudd. Oh, Although, I think that places you. Yeah. Pretty high on the sociopath test. Yeah, he was kind of weird, kind of a weird guy. That Elmer Fudd, but you know, he just wanted to hunt. What's the big deal? (laughs) I understand it. Okay, but yes. Anyway, Futurama. Anybody seen it? What's the name of it? Futurama. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. He's Fry. I am a voice of big fan. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Voice of Fry, main guy. Zoidberg. 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 <laughs> uh, Professor Farnsworth. Right. Uh, I mean, out of like the six Additional characters voices. on there, he's half of them. Mm-hmm. He carries he carries the show in a lot of ways. And I remember, I want to say it was the second or third season premiere. Uh, I was at Comic-Con, and I was right up there, and the whole, the ca- the whole cast was there. Uh, Matt Groening was there, obviously creator of The Simpsons, also created this. And during the Q&A, he's hilarious. He's a really funny dude. And, I mean, the whole cast was just chopping it up. But just kind of watching it with the cast there, it was, it was a really awesome experience. Um, he loves the fans, at least it seems on this panel. He's not, you know, up there just talking shit to everybody. But, no, it seems like a genuinely <laughs> good dude. And, and I know, Jimmy, you interviewed him. I mean, probably got the same vibe. Don't want to speak for you, but. Well, yeah, he was pretty. I thought he was pretty nice. He's nice enough to take a, a chunk of his day to talk to you know, a nickel and dime superhero like me, but, (laughs) but he was really cool. He was, uh, he, it was on zoom and he held it, held his phone in his hand the whole time while he was doing it. So it was kind of wobbly. I got a little motion sickness, but 
we talked about a lot of cool stuff about how we came up with the voices and how he got the chance to do the original Ren and Stimpy, like you said, we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The Ren and Stimpy. I mean, I'm and a huge, super nice. Future, like, it kind yeah. of feels weird that we haven't already talked about it. <clears throat> yeah. Did, did we jump actually... beyond the year 2000 <laughs> by going right to Futurama? Because Ren and Stimpy was huge. I'm going to say seminal for I think our so generation. It was before South Park hit. It was like it everyone was, was talking Park. about it Ren was and Stimpy. Like Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, it was before Beavis and Butthead. Even yeah, it it, it was kind of like this like harbinger of like adult animation that know? started yeah. it. Yeah, right. it wasn't. It's like okay. It, is it marketed toward kids? Is it marketed toward adults? I mean, you know, twenties, yeah. thirties. Everyone was watching it though. It, it it bridged that gap, and it was hilarious. I mean, people hilarious. still quote it to this day, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. I I I think it's it is uh, it is a pop culture milestone to to like experience that at the at the time, and even if you were to like if like if you watch it now, it it holds up so well. You know, it's it's just there's a timelessness to it. It's so funny. I mean, it's talking about like boogers and stuff. Yes. <laughs> like like it's so almost like, every frame of that show had a booger. Yeah. Of some very, kind very true. That was signature. Uh and it was but it was also so extreme and like artistic. It, all of this came out of you guys remember like the Mike and Ike film festival of no, animation. It, was, uh, it wasn't Mike and Ike. That's a candy. Spike and Mike. Spike and Mike Spike is closer. Spike and Mike. Yeah. The, uh, uh, Juji Fruit? Uh, no, yeah, that's Spike the and that's the Spike and Ike's. That's the that's Mike Judge thing, right? There we go. No, Jimmy's onto it here. To the Spike and Ike, that was like in the eighties and stuff. That's a Mike Judge thing, I believe. Well, Mike Judge was just another part of it. <laughs> oh, yes, right. he, yeah. it is. Yeah. He's right. It's Mike Spike and Mike. Spike and Mike. Yeah. Spike and Mike. Okay. But as I recall, this was basically like they, there were just so many like like film school students and failed Disney artists or frustrated Disney artists with a part-time grudge, <laughs> with the grudge who yeah. were making these short, crazy, like animation things, you know, guys who are a little older than us mm-hmm. or our age. And this is, they're doing it in their spare time and they found enough of them. They could buy cheap yeah. that they had, you know, uh, the the Ren and Stimpy and old Mike Judge cartoons, Bill Plimpton stuff. Like Early those. Beavis and Butthead. And they would just tour them through uh, college campuses yeah. back in the 80s and 90s. And that kind of, and that is exactly where you got Ren and Stimpy that made the jump from there over to MTV. I think it was same there, as yeah. it might have been Nickelodeon actually. It did start at Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon, right? Nickelodeon, yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't part of the. I think it was like. Uh, I think it was just before all of that. Like <clears> it was just like the, these all kind of hit. Like it, it like there was like this kind of spring that just kind of you know o- o- like just kind of opened up, <clears throat> and then like all of a sudden like there was this era where Ren and Stimpy came out and Beavis and Butthead came out and a little bit later, you know that would lead to. Adult Swim that would lead to South Park, like it all kind of came. Out that of was that was one era. of the incubation moments, right? For it was Saturday very morning important. cartoons, yeah. I think, and I think I was probably 10, 11, 12, 13 maybe, mm-hmm. and I remember going to one of those festivals, and I remember distinctly there was a Ren and Stimpy cartoon. Wow! But way before they were yeah. big, there was a Bill Plimpton cartoon. Okay, there was a uh, a Mike Judge cartoon. It was all about. Uh, I think his name was Wendell. The that's the, the yeah, the, oh yeah, that the was in a cartoon space. version. The guy from the office space, and yeah. it had the 
you know, the, ah, yeah, we're going to need to, all of that back in like 1987, 88. And there were a couple of early DreamWorks. I mean, not DreamWorks, Pixar. Pixar. I mean, this was all of that stuff. It's like, it became so much bigger Mm -hmm. was something I knew nothing about. And it wasn't popularly known. Like the little snowman one, the little dude cleaning his uh, tool. Like all of that came out way before they could afford to do Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a huge, huge influence that stuff like that came through. And Billy West has touched <sighs> almost every piece of it. That filthy little maggot. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good it, way to put it. Way to bring it back around, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Master of the segue. Yeah, Ren right. and Stippy kicked in the door for a lot of these shows and said, okay, this works on Nickelodeon, a, a show that, yeah, it was... It's not super risque like Bees and Butt. It kind of took it to the next level. Uh, but then South Park took it to another level. And uh-huh. the Family Guy, and it, you know, it keeps rolling on. But without that initial door being kicked in, really, uh, really helped him. And he was there. He was the main dude. Not to take away from the creators of Ren and Stampy and other voices yeah. and, and actors, but he's continued on. And like we said, I mean, hundreds, I would assume, of IMDb credits. And again, Futurama. Big fan of it. Yeah. I mean, it was su- super red. Um, to Bugs Bunny, too. He voiced the uh, honeybee on Cheerios commercials. I mean, pretty <laughs> iconic roles, you know? You and listen, you don't know it. If you listen to the Stern show, he does the voice of the Jackie Martin puppet. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. He was, I believe he he was the <laughs> only one many years ago who got away more or less unscathed for a really uh, a scandalous prank phone call gone wrong on Stern on what? Stern. <laughs> and I, it, maybe it was the end of, uh, like Bubba, the love sponges career uh-huh. or something like a whole cascade of events happened mm. where he was involved and managed to just drift off. Cause no one knew who he was. I wish I had more memory of this <laughs> now that I've gotten us knee deep into it. And this is like, uh, but th- like, um, Great. As soon as you take the the like top off of a guy like freaking Billy West, like all this stuff that you've heard over the last twenty five years just starts to like kind of spew out. This guy's been a part of pop culture for such a long time, and real important. Like Howard Stern is no small part of pop culture. It's a whole movement. It's the last of the radio great personalities. You know, I mean, yes, Baba Booey and such and such. Uh, I don't want to equate it directly with cartoons but yeah i hear what you're saying no but i mean he's he he's been a part of all this you know from the very 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 beginning from our you know young lives this guy's been around for a very long time and it's like you know this is why we're doing this particular episode is to introduce you to the guy this is that yes. this is that one this guy. is that one guy who by the way i did look it up while we were talking on imdb he has 261 credits. That's a Now that sounds like a lot. That is a lot. And cuz cuz you forgot two and that's right. not on you. Yeah. Right. Uh yes. but but also pretty much everything he's on, he does 3 to Four characters. 25 <laughs> characters. <laughs> yeah. And then the, some of those shows last for years. Yeah. I mean Futurama just wouldn't stop coming back, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Ren and Simpy went on for a good while. Uh, then movies and uh, Ren and anime, Slimer anime on the Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and and it probably all the lines for a whole season as Slimer on the Ghostbusters, as I recall, could have been recorded in twenty minutes. 
which he, which he probably did. And they mm-hmm. just looped it, and they just you know put it in there. Again. That's why they call him one one, yeah, one take one. Billy West. He's like, take. <laughs> print it, pronounce it, done, got it. Hot dogs. Someone no. light my cigar. Yeah. I'm leaving. <clears throat> I'm gonna spill my martini if I keep okay, up now this these time, goddamn lines. Try to sound scary with your mouth full of hot dogs. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Go. Uh, and he could have yeah. done it too. Yeah. yeah. And the guy, the guy is, <laughs> there is a certain advantage when you work in voice acting. I think we've noticed, we've spoken to enough voice actors mm-hmm. here on the show. Uh, when you're there in the studio recording something, they might also say, oh, hey, before you leave, if you got another 40 minutes, we need a, uh, a dog sheriff. Yeah. We need uh, <laughs> a guy falling down some stairs. We need a fat housewife. Can you do five more lines? And of course, he's there all day, so yeah. he's just going to record them. And then, of, and that leads to just getting another booking, another booking. Anybody who works in voice acting is going to have more IMDb credits than me and you. And it's Simple and as this that. is combined. Um, there's, <laughs> I don't think that voice acting takes a back seat to any other type of acting. I think it's an amazing talent. I think some people can do it, and some people can't. Like I don't think that that's not what you said on our TV show. I don't think hmm. that Robert De Niro could do voice acting. <laughs> I think he just wouldn't be able to do it. Um, he did good on The Dog Father. Action. <laughs> the animated Godfather. I don't think that happened. He was, wasn't he the shark in Shark Tale? Oh, my. Oh, wasn't shark. He like the, yes. Yes, yes, he absolutely was. was. Holy oh, shit. I've never seen that. And, I, I had no and idea. And he was pretty good. I, I mean, pretty, yeah. good. Yeah. pretty good. Yeah. He did a good job <laughs> playing Robert De Niro as yeah. a shark. Yeah. I like yes. he gave the shark I'll a mole that. too. I, I, love, I love your one word impression of yeah. uh, Robert Ooh. De Niro. And, and, and speaking of that too, when you have, a, and this is nothing new, but for a while, just big name celebrities like A Listers are, are doing VO work. And unfortunately, it takes away from guys who this is their career, like yeah. a Billy West and, and a, a lot of others that have just as many if not more credits it kind of takes away from them it's like let's have this season super professional guy oh we got de niro we got owen wilson and it's like well but you know they're just gonna do their voice exactly there's no voice acting it's just and you know what's heartbreaking about that is that if you uh, said to billy west right now like hey can i hear your best robert de niro and we can record a couple lines he could could probably nail it with no prep yep they want the name on the post, or they De Niro right. on the poster, or yeah, Owen Wilson, yeah. and not to again take away from uh, Cars was really successful, but it's just Owen Wilson reading lines. Yeah. I mean, oh wow, that <laughs> seems harsh. <laughs> but but you know, I'm glad you brought that up because I do uh, I do assume. I mean, I was going to say I know, but I assume why wouldn't he? But when uh, when our man here, Jimmy the Gent, was talking. To Billy West, he probably had him do a Robert De Niro impression mm-hmm. or Owen Wilson or something on the spot, I, right? I did, but that unfortunately the wasn't rolling at the time. God right. damn it! <laughs> Once again, oh, <clears throat> oh, yeah, magic interview machine! Why don't we just go ahead and listen to this interview where Jimmy grills the hell out of Billy West? Meanwhile, All right? How are you today, Billy? I'm not bleeding from any holes, so I must be doing okay. Okay, that's a good that's a good way to start the day, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's. Uh, you're you're known for just about too many voices, right? Fry, Ren and Stimpy, Invader Zim, Slimer, Woody Woodpecker. Um, 
but we're today. I want to get out of the uh, business out of the way first, if I could. Uh, we'll talk about Space Jam. A new legacy is coming out, but we're re-releasing Space. Your Space Jam right. is, com- is coming out on uh, 25th anniversary 4K Ultra High Def Blu-ray. Yeah, the 25th anniversary. So I wanted to. If I, I'm fortunate enough to get a chance to talk to the man. Let's talk about that for a little while, if we could. Um, how did you get that job? You were pretty I, um, big, uh, known for Ren and Stimpy at the time. Is that right? Yeah, I was, but I was um, working uh, in New York in radio on the Howard Stern show. And um, producer Ivan Reitman had produced uh, Howard's movie, Private Parts. And um, and he came in to watch the show a few times. And he got a load of me, and he watched how we could just, like, create something out of nothing. And uh, and I went wild a couple of times, and he he wanted to know if I would audition for Space Jam, so I did, and um, I got the part. Did you do you know who you were up against? Was there anybody? Did you know who you were uh, competing for the roles with? I think it's the usual suspects. I think at the time it was probably Joe Alasky. He's since passed on, um, or Greg Burson. He also has passed on, so it would have been. Um, Jeff Bergman and me, I guess. I think that's who was up for it. I don't, I don't know officially know, but you know, couple of guesses. What, yeah. what about? Do you remember at the time? It'd probably be a lot easier to do it today, but uh, being a season as seasoned veteran as you were, what's it like? Can you recall at the time stepping into those iconic voices? Well, it was it was kind of um, <clears throat> it was daunting because uh, I. I worked really hard at doing it and um, you know, and I was with the other performers and they, uh, everybody was supportive of everybody else. Um, I just felt like, yeah, those are big shoes to, to try and fill. So you just do the best you can. You do, um, you pick a period where bugs, you know, behaved and looked a certain way. There's like decades of him, but mm-hmm. each director, kind of had them being a little bit different so you pick one and they the producers had their favorites but it's so funny i mean every, when i was working everybody that popped in the door was like he's too jewish or he's he's too brooklyn or he's too he's too cute you know there was always something i was like eh, shit up. so you were uh leaning more towards the older sky the uh, closer to the original bugs I, I think, I mean, somewhere in the middle, maybe the 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, you were the voice of Bugs Bunny for kind of everything for a little while, right? The official voice? Yeah, for a while. Um, it's it's nobody's uh, gig officially. I mean, because, well, I, I always knew it wasn't mine. I mean, it was mine for a day. I was a day player. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I didn't create the voice, so... I, I didn't have the same kind of emotional investment in it if I did it or didn't do it. Um, it was great to do it, and it's quite a legacy. Um, but, you know, I mean, given given my druthers, uh, I, I'd rather have the opportunity to create uh, characters, you know, from, uh, from nothing or, or just at least from guidance of... Uh, creators you know mm-hmm. that draw the pictures and show you and tell you about the character what uh so you created ren and stimpy and people not, might not 
other than me might not recognize powdered toast man as much but you talk about creating what uh stimpy would be larry fine right uh or yes based on him sort of based mm -hmm. on him larry was like hey mo there's too much tinsel on the tree you know and stimpy was like uh hey ren will you button me you know so it was like amped up he was kind of childlike and um and I created the voice for that. I didn't create the show. And I also was given a tape in the beginning of what they wanted for the Ren voice. Um, so I practiced that and, you know, went with what my take on it was. And um, we were in New York, me and uh, John Chris Felusi, and we went over to MTV and literally we're in a closet with a broom and a, and a bucket, you know, with a mic attached to it. It was right out of... Uh, Hollywood, up the hall from Kurt Loder's office, and uh, <laughs> you know, I was reading like you know, like this in the in the closet, and um, and then he went in and had a meeting with the women from Nickelodeon, and he came out, he said, "Congratulations, what you did uh, just helped us help sell the show," and uh, and then that was the end of that, and he decided he was going to do the voice, and I didn't really care because I had a gig, I was just happy for that, but. Uh, you know, history played out a different way. Right. You also uh, splintered all those early days of Nickelodeon. You splintered off into the other two uh, of the original three cartoons they had on Nickelodeon. Was that because of your performance on uh, Ren and Stimpy? Did you get that gig or is it somehow a coincidence that you no, it was a, lightning it was, and all those shows are on the same network? It was a coincidence. It was a coincidence that um, they... Um, we're looking for people to do voices for these new cartoons that we're going to play on a Sunday morning. It was uh, a three cartoon block, Rugrats, Doug, and uh, Ren and Stimpy. Um, this, all this stuff was going on independently of each other. Like I was working with the Ren and Stimpy people. And then at the very same time, I was auditioning for the Doug people and, um, Mary Harrington and Vanessa Coffey, you know, they just liked what I did. And then they thought, oh, wait a minute, he's already doing this other thing. But it was okay, you know. I mean, they liked it. And um, and Jerry Laybourne was head of the network. And, uh, yeah, and I and I did, like, four seasons of that. Yeah. Um, then you uh, – the next kind of biggest hit on your timeline would be the uh, Futurama, right? Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> How well did you were were you a friend of Matt Groening's before this? Did you guys meet? No, after I mean, this? of course, I was well aware of him. Sure, um, uh, he knew who I was, you know, from Ren and Stimpy, and um, they asked me to come in and audition. And I auditioned for a couple of characters, and um, I went home, and you know, about a week or so later, I found out that I got two of the characters that I auditioned for. And then we went and did table reads and stuff, and then uh, they rearranged things, and I was doing Fry, the professor, and Dr. Zoidberg. And then later I would be doing Zap Brannigan. Uh-huh. After uh, Phil Hartman passed away? Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of people want to ask you about um, Dr. Zoidberg and... <laughs> uh, and uh, Dr. Farnsworth, but what's your inspiration for Fry? Where did he come? Where, where does that voice come from? Where does that start? That comes from when I was 25 years old. That's my voice. Because <laughs> oh. I remember what I sounded like. I was in a band, you know, and I, 
if I broke a string or an amplifier blew up or something, I'd be like, oh, man, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> I was whiny and nasally and complainy, and um, I figured that would be as good as voice as any. I was tentative. You know, all the things that Fry kind of is. What if you couldn't do voices? What do you think you would do? That's uh, you made on Howard Stern. That's kind of how you got your start uh, getting noticed was doing the voices, right? Well, I started in Boston before I ever was with Howard Stern. I was doing radio in Boston, but I was a musician. I probably would have been a musician. Mm -hmm. Do any of these, um, any of these vast mountain of characters that you've played, do any of them speak to you? Are you, are any of them closest to the real Billy West? Um, I don't, I don't much hear from them. <laughs> They're there when I draw upon them. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, uh, I'm a journeyman. It was just like, you show up and you're going to build a staircase today. So you better bring the right tools and you better do this and you better be conscientious and, and you want it to last forever. Right. Um, that's the same kind of thing. You know, I also had immigrant mentality and it was like, if you, you better do the right stupid little witty voice today or you go home and your house will be gone. <laughs> like the twilight zone. Did you have any sense at the beginning of any of these? Maybe, maybe you had an idea at the beginning of um, Futurama that it might be a hit coming off of Matt's success. Um. I was hoping for that, but I didn't, I wasn't counting on it. I mean, you're taking it a day at a time. And, and even if you're in the middle of a cultural phenomenon, you have no idea what's going on. You don't know what the resonance is out there in the world until you start hearing things. And, um, but the idea was to go in there and just bang it out and do, do the absolute best that everybody could do. And that's what happened. I was, uh, that was my favorite uh, job of all time, I think. I got to express myself really well. Mm -hmm. um, I spoke with Wally Winger a little while ago, a fellow voice actor. I don't know if you know him. Yes, I do. Um, he was telling me he likes to watch videos of people doing his voices, like the Riddler and uh, Invader Zim, and doing impressions of his impressions. Is that something that you're into at all? Um, people send me stuff occasionally, and I enjoy it. I like to see people, you know, I mean... Uh, you know, getting into the arts in any way, even if you're dipping your toe, is a good idea to me, you know, mm -hmm. um, considering all the trouble in the world and everything. I think uh, I think people uh, that get into the arts, whether it's doing voices or playing music or acting or singing, uh, whatever, sculpting, painting, it keeps you out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Idle, idle uh, voice box, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I was kind of looking for a bit of a crossover. I, I took a chunk out of my day and went down your uh, IMDb page, uh, mm -hmm. but I was, I was looking for maybe, uh, it, possibly on Batman: The Brave and the Bold or Batman: The New Adventures. Did you ever cross over and w work with Adam West at all in your career? Um, I didn't work with him on that show. But I worked with him on another show called Spy Dogs. Oh, right on. Yeah, and he was on that, and uh, it was fun, you know. And I and I used to see him all the time at uh, Comic Con conventions, and we hit it off, you know. He got a kick out of the stuff that I was doing, and mm -hmm. I was reverential, of course. 
because I was a teenager when Batman was on TV. I'd just throw my homework out the window and watch uh, TV. Right. Do you, do you recall at the time when you were watching it as a young man, um, were, were you aware of the comedy aspect of it or were you still um, in it for the adventures? I, I was aware of the comedy aspect of it. Um, you know, I mean, I was I was smarter than probably most of the kids that were watching it. I, I knew that that uh, that uh, Frank Gorshin was imitating Richard Widmark. Mm-hmm. as a psycho from an old movie from the 50s or the 40s um tommy Udo, the giggling psycho and and i knew those things and i thought this is hilarious but it's but it's so well done you have to be you have to like stand back in awe of appreciation mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was wonderful then it got you know it started to get a little silly but every show did after about five seasons voice yeah. the bottom of the sea started having carrot men you know, and right, they right, ran right. out of they ran out of everything. Lost in space, same thing. Uh, yeah, had, especially especially back then, you can usually see when they started to run out of money and were just riding coasting it out when the quality went down and the, all the backdrops kind of disappeared, the back walls and everything. Yeah, Lost in Space was lost yeah. when you had bikers from another planet <laughs> yeah. showing up, and you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's great it's great amusement, and uh, and I was very close to some of those people on the show. Um, Jonathan Harris, oh yeah, was was a friend of mine, and uh, he was just he was wonderful. He was just wonderful, and that wonderful character he played, Doctor Smith, it was just so deliciously evil but silly. And uh, those are my favorite kind of villains, I guess. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he started off pretty dark, but quickly morphed into kind of the the comedy relief on that show. Yes. Do you do you have any? Um, Favorite memories of Jonathan Harris since you brought him up? Um, <laughs> yes. He, um, I remember when I was like a teenager, I used to read TV Guide, and there was no way you could know anything about show business back in those days. You just couldn't. You know, it's not like now where 98% of everybody's day is show business. Mm-hmm. But back then it was like, you had to dig around, and, and uh, in TV Guide, there were some yellow teletype pages, and they would, it was a report from a guy named Neil Hickey, and he would talk about what shows were coming up in the fall. And that, I lived for that stuff. I wanted to know what was going on, and it's the two new shows, Star Trek and Lost in Space. And, and so, you know, I, I just scoured anywhere and everywhere I could get some information on what was going on in the business. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, so I read this article in TV Guide about the hairstylist to the stars. His name was Jay Sebring. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was 1966. And, you know, he was a happening guy and he cut everybody's hair. David Jansen, the fugitive. Um, all the famous TV shows, probably Robert Vaughn and David McCallum, whatnot. Right. And he did uh, Jonathan Harris's hair. This is what I read. And I thought, well, that's something to talk to him about. You know, so finally one day I meet him and I'm working with him a million years later. And I said, uh, you know, I remember reading about you getting your hair cut in Hollywood by a guy named Jay Sebring. And he goes, Jay Sebring? Jay Sebring, he ruined me. And I was like, 
what do you mean? And he, and he just said, he ruined me. And what Jonathan told me that, that uh, he finished with Lost in Space and he had to go back and do retakes, but Jay Sebring fucked up his hair somehow. <laughs> so he had to like patch and glue pieces of his hair back and everything. And, he, and then Jonathan just looked and went, oh, how I laughed when he was murdered. And I, I thought that was hysterically funny, but Jay Sebring was murdered in the Tate LaBianca murders, the yeah. Manson murders. Yeah. Jay Sebring. Wow. Talk <laughs> it's, about it's 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 awful, but it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Talk about holding the grudge, him. huh? Yeah. Oh yeah, Dr. Smith, you don't mess with him. Right. Uh so it sounds like you might go back. Uh, just a couple of years before me, but when I was a young man, I used to get up early on Saturday mornings and pour myself a big bowl of cereal to watch Saturday morning cartoons. So, mm -hmm. um, Billy West, I'm wondering what was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon and what kind of cereal did you eat? Oh, gosh. Um, what did I watch? God, I watched the <clears throat> the very first Hanna-Barbera cartoons when I was a little kid, you know, like Rough and Ready. Mm-hmm. That was the first one that they did. This is after they did Tom and Jerry for MGM. And Rough and Ready was Don Messick and Dawes Butler. And I and I just was endlessly amused by things like that. I used to watch a show called Spunky and Tadpole. Um, what else did I watch? Superman. And I saw the Warner Brothers cartoons, but but I lived in Detroit and we were getting our shows from CKLW Channel 9 in Windsor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, and what they had for prints of those cartoons, I mean, they were films of films of films when I saw them. So they were ratty looking, but I didn't care because I heard the voices and I would, I would just be energized. Too energized to eat cereal. I mean, I was just like blown away molecularly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also grew up in Detroit and, uh, I'm familiar. Really? Yeah, they, they'd never, I don't think they ever got new copies of those cartoons. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, but it's amazing when you yeah. see what they really look like nowadays. When right. You when see I, the, when the I see prints. it now. Yeah. The, uh, remasters and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're all of them. Even the shitty cartoons are, are almost filmically beautiful. I, yeah, I, I agree. Surprisingly. So like, um, I got when I get my kids ready for school, we um, I found on HBO has a lot of the old Looney Tunes, like the really old ones. And that's what I yes. watched when I was getting ready for school. So I get them up and I put them on and I'm kind of blown away to see them in as I used to watch them in 19 inch black and white grainy and to see them this big, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It really blows me away. I used so, to enjoy the Flintstones when that first premiered on TV. Yeah. It came on on Friday nights. And, and know, prime time, right? Yeah, prime time. Yeah. And I listened to the beautiful voices and everything. And, you know, I met Mel Blanc once, but I did get to work with, um, who did I get to work with? Oh, Jean Vanderpil, who played Wilma. I, mm -hmm. I worked with her doing voiceover on uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, kids show that he had for a while. Mm -hmm. And it was just so crazy to be standing working with Wilma, you know. I've been very, very lucky. I've either worked or met most of my idols in my life. Right. Super lucky. But you, now you're uh, you're kind of in that crowd. You you know they were your idols. Now a lot of people idolize not a younger voice actors idolize you. You're kind of 
you're in the mix of all the iconic big names like you know when it, they talk it's about weird. it's it's so weird to think of things that way but uh but i mean one of the things that i liked about performing was uh i never played it small you know i was emphatic i was uh, filled with emotion and i tried to put it even into the characters that weren't coloring outside the lines because you needed to make it bigger than life it needed to be bigger than two dimensions and what you did had to last for all time you couldn't do throwaway mm-hmm. voices you know even the garbage man i've got a I've got to dig through the periphery of show business to find some cool voice, you know, for him, like William Bendix or somebody, mm-hmm. you know. Deep cuts. <laughs> Deep yeah, cut. those are, and those you are, gotta... that's where good voices come from. And what they are is they can be fusions. Like you can take the voice of one character and fuse it with the personality of another in showbiz periphery. And, and even if you do a crappy impression, it's a voice no one's ever heard before. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, one of my best impressions is uh, Gilbert Godfrey doing uh, Groucho Marx. So I'm a kind of, oh yeah, I'm three. I'm a couple of people out. But, um, uh, I I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know we started late, but uh, I love Gilbert. Talk- I, I I love Gilbert. I, I get him. I always got him, and I was on his show a bunch of times. And you know, I'm I'm like I know where he's coming from, and and then we just we talk about the most peripheral things. Uh-huh. But yeah. uh but they're funny. Yeah, he's got I, I I enjoy his podcast. I you know, I devour it uh weekly and he's got some really interesting uh I guess conspiracy theories about uh Caesar Romero and uh Oh yeah? Yeah. But I I don't know, I'll let him tell. I don't know if we should that's probably I don't know. It's probably it's probably the itself. theory that everybody that ever existed was gay. Yeah, it it leans yeah. that it leans into that. Yeah, yeah. Hercules. Mm-hmm. uh you know um <laughs> prometheus every, yeah everybody <laughs> Shamp. right um yes yeah. let's talk everybody about your there. podcast uh the the billy west podcast is that the name mm-hmm. how long I, uh, I did that a while back it's just it was too time consuming for me to do because i was really busy but i wouldn't mind doing another one but it was like it was labor intensive because i pre-recorded everything mm-hmm. and then you had to produce them you had to add sound effects and you had to mix and match voices and um you know i mean i had fun but i think there's a lot easier way to do those things yeah uh still looking for the easy way myself right well no you're you're doing it perfectly fine i mean um <clears throat> this is what radio used to be mm-hmm. you know until it got all effed up you know i remember old radio and i remember the people that used to sit down in a room with a microphone and you know people like um oh god his name uh <laughs> i can't think of his name now um he was the oh paul harvey oh yeah he'd be like hello americans friends you know what you and i need really need that's a good cup of coffee you know he would have mm-hmm. pauses and and it would draw you in <laughs> yeah um i you mentioned the radio i grew up listening to i can't even i think it might have been one of the college channels but they'd play all the old uh radio shows like the lone ranger and oh yeah uh, inner sanctum and those type of things jack benny yeah 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 um both were fabulous fabulous shows 
Oh yeah, I wish I I found the Inner Sanctum, and I still listen to that to this day. There's those that's some really good stuff. Just really grabs you and ropes you in, and I I, I didn't know how much how derivative the Twilight Zone was of that. <laughs> oh well, uh, everything's a derivative. Of something you know, you right. saw Midnight in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> Explained um, it pretty well. Yeah. Is there anything else on on my way out the door? Is there anything else you want to plug? Anything um, else? Uh, <clears throat> Well, I'm still doing um, Disenchantment <laughs> season three. I'm still doing Disenchantment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's season three, and um, I really have a good time doing that. Although we were we were chopped up during the pandemic, and I was recording stuff out of my house, and I wasn't interfacing with anybody. It was very strange because I like to work with the mm-hmm. others. I really do. Um, Norm- you're normally in the booth with the other actors, or yes, or cl- a booth facing or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, you know, you have the directors right there. You have everybody, you know, you can you can play off whatever dynamics your fellow performers are <clears throat> are up to. And, um, you know, that that kind of chopped everything in half for a while. But um, I think we'll be back to normal very soon. I hope so. We're leaning that way. Um, yeah. And I look forward to to doing more stuff. I mean, I still do commercials and. hmm. You did the, uh, is this new commentary for Space Jam re-release, or is it w- what they had before? I think it might be what they had before. Okay. Um, but, you know, I wasn't sure. I didn't know they were re-releasing it in tandem with the release of the uh, the new version of it. Oh, yeah. But I look forward to seeing it. I mean, I it looks pretty good. Yeah. It does yeah. It does look pretty good. And you, you're not in the new one, right? No. No cameos for Billy. Now, I'm too old for that stuff. Right on. Well, I, <laughs> I, I thank you for your time, Billy. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm sorry about the mix-up there. Where's that noise? Go away. Who's there? The taste of nuts and honey, Mr. Scrooge. Ah, humbug. And better things to do. But, Mr. Scrooge, it's part of this good breakfast. My customary gruel will suffice, thank you. Yeah, but Honey Nut Cheerios wants the taste of real golden honey and nuts. I said, did you say honey and nuts? <laughs> oh. Look at that. Billy West as the Honey Nut Cheerio Bee saving, what, about uh, two hours worth of Christmas Carol <laughs> right there. <laughs> I Just think I get the gist. right over. <laughs> yeah. Charles Dickens didn't I, know what the yeah. he was doing. Dickens got paid by the word. <laughs> a lot is. a lot like Billy West. <laughs> a lot like Billy West. <laughs> when, anyway, yes. Yeah, so that was uh, a commercial with Billy West. And before that, an interview with Billy West. And before that, a meandering discussion vaguely about Billy West. Mm-hmm. And here comes another. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, so, Billy West. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, comments, concerns? Well, I think we nailed the Ren and Stimpy thing pretty well. Mm. I don't think we have to rehash that one. All right. But I would like some clarity. So this guy, he was the Bugs Bunny in Space Jam, right? Space Jam, Space right. Jam, the 1996 The release. one with Jordan. The 25th anniversary, released uh, July 6th. Pick it up on of digital course. and Blu-ray. All right. Which we've all seen and we all liked. But does anybody well, like LeBron James enough to watch the new one? I saw the new one. Oh, okay. Was it any good? Was it because you love LeBron James? No. Okay. I saw it because it was Space Jam, 
and uh, you know I want to support the franchise. <laughs> you want to support the franchise, <laughs> right? But Billy West did not reprise the role of Bugs Bunny in the second one. Correct. Okay. Because he died in my, the first one, I assume. Yeah. I my mean, yeah. Uh, not, I wouldn't call it a dislike for LeBron, but my not liking him didn't take away from my enjoyment of the piece. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to I wanna unsift this review. Space Jam 2, thumbs up. LeBron, thumbs down. No, I would say uh, thumbs three quarters up for the whole thing. He was he was fine. <laughs> so you're I mean, averaging the I, two scores. We might not see him again in a, a bit major tentpole motion picture for a little while, uh, but so he's not going to launch a fun. franchise the way Michael Jordan did. Not. <laughs> yeah, he also will not. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So I'd say he did the job. I actually have not seen that, and I'm going to come clean here. I, I think we went over this in a recent episode. It's better to just be honest about it. I never saw Space Jam. Mm. Oof. It came out in 96. It was one of the few times I spent a full calendar year in college. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get around to it. <laughs> one of the few times. <laughs> <laughs> it made it almost two whole semesters that time. So I didn't have time to go out and see Space Jam. And honestly, it, it feels like... Like I betrayed myself in that way because I thought I was grown up at that time in 96. I would have been 18, 19 years old. Uh, I I finally thought, well, that's it. I'm too old for cartoons. That's 10 years away from the Roger Rabbit kind of uh, buzz. 10 years earlier, I was totally cool with cartoons growing up. (laughs) What can I say? Uh, Looking back, maybe I should have been into it. I have a lot of shame about that. Uh, you guys all saw it though, and yeah. you recognize it as a seminal generation break or something. Uh, Jimmy, have you? Uh... I don't know about that. I mean, at the time when it came out in '96, I seem to remember it like being groundbreaking animation because they were 3D anima- animated mm-hmm. at the and for the time, like similar to how Roger Rabbit was. Uh, yeah. Shaded like in each shell was cell, excuse me, was individually shaded, mm-hmm. right? So that so was when kind you of read about that, you're like, oh, I'm gonna go see this movie. Well, that I probably would have saw it anyways, but <laughs> but I do remember that was part of the fervor at the time. Oh, that Space Jam MJ. fervor in '96, yeah. yeah, couldn't get away from it. It's like Batman in '89, <laughs> the fervor was everywhere. Yeah. It had some um, heat, man. Yeah, didn't you have a cool story? Oh, yeah, well... I mean, did you see it, Johnny yeah. Heck? Yeah, I mean, so at the time I was in high school, I was working at a Blockbuster video. <laughs> and, what a uh, difference. Yeah, St. Venus so, High Football Rules. Yeah, so yeah, some of those uh, younger kids, Google what that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they had these things called video cassettes. Anyway, um, there's a few movies that people just really lost their shit about trying to get and try to find because it was always sold out. And I remember Space Jam was the first one. It was like, oh, no. People are, you know, they're coming with pitchforks and, and torches trying to get this and yelling at my young ass like it's my fault because it's gone. And we, it's like we had a 50, 100 copies maybe just constantly gone. And we would have one copy, like a promo copy that would run on the TVs. They're like, well, what about that one? It's like, oh, it's a promo <laughs> copy. So not only I've seen it, it's, it's a lot of ways embedded in my mind. So I try to forget it because it was just on loop for eight hours and people are yelling at you about it. So. I have mixed emotions about it from that. It's a little, little traumatizing. Yeah, a little traumatizing. <laughs> getting yelled out about like a, you know, at the time, like a 
you know, some mom in her mid thirties, you know, teenage kid. I'm just like, I'm sorry. So you were, you were basically like the uh, de facto gatekeeper when it was all on fire and it proved that it wasn't a kid's movie. It right. was the ultimate everybody movie. Oh, it was, yeah, it was a family then, movie. Everyone you, wanted it. Sometimes you would go to Blockbuster saying, I'm going to see what they have. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, you would go saying, you, yeah, you I had hope a mission. they have a copy yeah. of X, Y, or Z because it just Jam. came out. Space Jam. Oh, and, and for sure, the rumors yes, are that's true. It. That's what it's called. Uh, Thank you, Jim. If you were a cool customer that came in a lot and you weren't a dick, we would hide those movies for <laughs> the cool people. Make no <laughs> doubt about it. Everyone would. So yeah. all you people yelling at, at, you at mean those like blockbuster regulars back in the day? at a blockbuster. Oh yeah, yeah. And if you were cool, man, we would hide that stuff for you. What would it take to be cool? Like, were you getting tips? So you're you're saying that people Did, would come in that... and rent physical copies of uh, media? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's how it <laughs> like some sort of like a library exchange <laughs> yeah. system. And, right. Yeah. And you turn it in one minute late, you get charged. Yeah. Two dollars yeah. and sixteen cents yeah. per day. I remember having those like I I remember like what like made that company better than your mom and pop video rental places is that if you were late at a mom and pop video rental place, then you just wouldn't go back there because you didn't want to pay (laughs) (laughs) but freaking Blockbuster would send you a fucking bill. Oh, they would send you to collections. They would send you to they had your social, they had your credit card number, they had your address. Oh, yep. yeah. And that, that's why I do not shed one goddamn tear for Blockbuster. Is that why well, you is that why you didn't see Space Jam, Dan? Because <laughs> you just refused to play the Blockbuster game. It was well, actually, that was kind of a time, my one year full year in college, where my credit was probably so that. bad that I would have been afraid to get a membership <laughs> at a Blockbuster. Yeah. A lot so of that cake, probably Dan. was a big hole in my viewing time. So Shay's just playing hacky sack in the quad yeah. going, fuck Blockbuster, man, fuck it. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, I'll don't just watch it on a 24-hour loop from out here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bring in my buddy's remote that works with Toshiba TVs and turn on the closed captioning. And that, uh, but that, that's, uh, uh, don't sell yourself short, Dan. A lot of guys go to school, college for one year. <laughs> They're called janitors. <laughs> oh, no. What about what about oh. Jimmy? Was that first time you saw Space Jam? <laughs> Was it before or after you got your doctorate? Funny you should ask. Uh, this would have been in the mid '90s. I, I seem to recall it being some pretty dark drinking days, and uh, but I don't know if this. Story isn't going to be as funny as I remember it, but we had. I don't see how a story that starts had, out with my dark drinking days is my going to buddy, I mean, all my, almost all my stories start out like that. But uh, my buddy and I had gone to go see it in the middle of the afternoon. He was getting me out of the house so I wouldn't sit around drinking all day. And uh, he pulls, we go to see Space Jam, and the place is packed with, uh, I mean, families and kids and, you know, just uh, a. Cartoon and aficionado. Yeah, I I think it's G-rated, right? So, (laughs) so we come rolling in with our big seven wines, cheeses. You guys, uh, I'm sure you guys can get the ambiance here. Couple (laughs) bottles of gin, right? Little minis. So we loaded up our drinks and we're sitting there. I'm ready to prepare to enjoy Space Jam, and I, couple big swigs, and I'm I'm loving it. I'm laughing, and I don't even think Michael Jordan's on the screen yet. Like nothing funny's happened. I'm just laughing, and everybody's looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) So I. uh, I was laughing so hard I knocked over my big soda and it oh. hit the floor and just oh, goes boosh and 
you could hear it. You could hear the ice and going down. And smell it, too. Yeah. You could probably right. smell right. the booze. Probably smell the booze, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yep. So I uh, I did not enjoy my first go around <laughs> Space Jam. I just sat there stink eyed, poo poo, and my arms folded. This this stupid Bugs Bunny thinks he's funny. <laughs> Gonna dunk on Michael hammered. Jordan. Cause, yeah, because I was just salty because I couldn't drink. But yeah. Upon after I did go to Blockbuster, mm. not yours, uh, Johnny, but right. I think I went to a different Blockbuster. They had it, and but I did like it. I mean, it's it's good enough. So I sure didn't have it at yours, Johnny. Mm, no, I made sure I hit them all too. I, ironically, I watched yeah. it when I was. Well, that was a strategy. You go weekend. in, and if it's the hot movie, you don't go. You don't even go through that little uh, turnstile, weird entrance exit thing that they've got. You go straight around the corner to the kid who's dumping out the, oh, the returns. Absolutely, yeah, they'd be around like you're a. Like you're a beetle, man. Like walking to stage, they they just crowd the desk. It's like, is that it? Is that it? Oh, I was here first. Just elbowing yeah. each other. And it's just you got is Baron is Baron is Baron Munchausen yeah. in? Yeah. There, <laughs> there was a time when trying to get your hands on a copy of Johnny Nomadic on VHS Ooh. was probably the same as trying to get a PS5 right now. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. Let that sink in, yeah. Johnny Nomadic. That's a good movie. Keanu Reeves for all you listening out mm. there, Marky. I haven't heard when you saw this Sposh drama. Uh, well, I saw it. Um, Michael Jordan picked me up. Uh, he had it, uh, here, we, he, here we go. He had it. He, Every time he uh, tells this story, it, uh, the dick gets bigger and bigger. It was on VHS, but it was in his Lamborghini. He had a little TV <laughs> yeah. in there. Uh, I thought it was, it was it was fine. It was, it was, it was, it was a good time. Did you go to Vegas? Did he there bet uh, double or nothing on whether they won or not? He did. He's, a, he's, he's a betting on the game with yeah. the monster. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's a degenerate yeah. gambler, but he knows that. Like, why they bet on the monsters to win? <laughs> Damn. I thought they'd get it this time. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. we should probably all regret going down that road, but yes, we'll I have. Keep I have. The I have no specific memory of watching the. I've seen it, but I don't remember what the situation was. Mm. You know, so mm. sorry, disappoint you. Huh. Other than the Michael Jordan story, yeah, that's good. But yeah, it was. A, you know, obviously, it's a. It was a. It was a big deal back then. Um. You know, it was great to see, like, Jordan was, he's still maybe the biggest athlete of all time. And, you know, to see him in that kind of venue, it was, it was obviously a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And Well, you've heard about this guy, LeBron James, that's in the new one, right? <laughs> yeah, nobody cares about LeBron well, James. Well, he's got him by about four inches, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so just, if you're talking about the biggest athlete of all time. I mean, you might enjoy him. Ladies and gentlemen, I, Tiger Woods. <laughs> yeah. There's just uh, I don't, so uh, many uh, so many yardsticks to measure that by, uh, but before we go, let's go ahead and dive down that hole a little Bobby further Hall. and mm-hmm. say what is the best movie where a professional athlete uh-huh. turned in a leading performance? Oh. Well, Lance Armstrong, Dodgeball, go. <laughs> Not a leading performance. Leading performance. It's got to be a leading performance. Good They've Lord. got to Good put Lord, as man. much effort forth. As Michael Jordan did. Now, obviously, the first uh, first question is LeBron James. It sounded like maybe tongue in cheek, Jimmy. You were saying Look, I'm going to go. He, did better. he was fine. I got he was, one. I mean, he was, was just fine. he was he was no better or no worse than Michael Jordan was. In so the they're tied. Game. So uh, I, I'm going to say Jordan has six rings, though. I'm going to say professional boxer turned actor Tony Danza, who's the boss. Ooh, uh, just what uh, movie was he the lead in? Not no, a professional was, athlete, though. He was a professional. He no, was he was an, an amateur. amateur. Amateur boxer. And if I'm wrong, mm. I'll pay for it later, but I'm not going to let you get away with are that. You, are you boys familiar with the uh, 
Naked Gun series. And maybe, oh, yeah. And yeah. maybe Mr. Simpson. You've Simpsons, already got an answer. Maybe Mr. Uh, Simpson's. You've got OJ. Worthy of note. Let someone else pick that one. All right. I got Rowdy Roddy Piper and oh, that wins. There's no answer. other answer. Wait, hold on. Rowdy Roddy Piper and what? They live. They, they live, live, bro. Yeah. That's the best. That's the best. I came here to do two things. <laughs> Chew bubblegum and, and kick ass. ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. And gum. I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> so you think he's better than Jesse Ventura in Predator? But oh, my that God. Like that's leading? really good. That's yes. not leading. I mean. I mean, yeah. Jesse's. Three right. stars. Under your rule, a, he, is a professional. Uh, he doesn't qualify. I know. I think you, yeah. He's that was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. He's a professional. But athlete. he still got a leading at because it was a very small cast. Yeah, but no, it was, that was a Schwarzenegger movie. He was at least top seven on the call sheet. But, okay, but also, actually, though, actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a professional athlete. All right, now you're uh, bending there you the rules. Go. Uh-huh. Now you're not breaking uh-huh. them, you're bending them. He is. He was a Mr. World or whatever. Uh. But then, I guess if I bring up a pro- professional wrestler, then all of the rocks like all the rocks. Come up and like, Hulk Hogan was exactly. in Rocky. Three. He was in the nanny. Oh, yeah, in the various. Feel, the before rock, we get to Mr. T, we're we're gonna go ahead and take the wrestlers off. Okay. Well, if we're taking the wrestlers off, then yeah, that is they're more professional Piper. entertainers. Okay. Wow. I, well, then we can't see. See, this is just gets rocky. I guess we're down to O.J. Simpson and. Uh, and Michael Jordan now. Uh, oh, how quickly we forget about the king, LeBron James. I don't. Nobody's forgetting. There's no. Nobody cares about. That. <laughs> <laughs> now you just sound old. Yeah. Uh, well, since we're about out of time, I'm just gonna go ahead and give you the right answer, which, uh, which of course is uh... waiting, buffering. buffering. How about Lynn Swan was in. Uh... He had a he had a Ooh, fairly no. large role in uh, the last Boy Scout. I actually was thinking about uh, uh, Alex. What's his name from Webster? Oh, Alex Dick Butkus. Alex Karras. Alex Karras. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was Mongo. That's not a movie. Blazing Saddles. Oh yep. shit! There we go. Mongo. Yeah. And in the, he was in Paper Lions. He punched a horse. I mean, <laughs> See, we've actually we've actually done pretty good just out of that. Punched one. a horse. Never mind. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> I like that. Punched a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Change. All right. Well, that was actually a misdirect. The real answer, of course, is Shaq in Kazam. Uh, Kazam. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I wish we could talk more, and I bet you wish we wouldn't. So we'll have this compromise, and that's about thank enough you. of this. Uh, I just uh, thank you to Billy West. That uh, it was a great interview. He's Space Jam. very kind. Oh, Space Jam. Fifth anniversary. I get the uh, I get the appeal of thanking him, but. Uh, taking it for granted is kind Blue of a Ray, hallmark digital. of his career. Yeah. Let's keep doing that. Get it now. Fair enough. Fuck that guy. All right. We take you for granted. Yes. Billy West. Yay. You're and that's best. enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.